greeted you. We have welcomed you. We have worshiped. Great things happening this morning. In the midst of all of this, Brother McAllister's over there playing Silent Night. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. If you'd stand together this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 18, verse number 9. I want to say uh, to Sister Monks how much I appreciate in her remarks, she prefaced her remarks this morning by speaking about all the mothers, whether you're a biological mother or not. I think that's a very, very significant thing that needs to be stated. You can be somebody that, I mean, could, is there anybody here that would ever think that Sister Evie is not a mother in Zion? Biologically, she hasn't had children, but She's got a lot of spiritual children. And so that is very, very important to express. And we want to say to everyone here today, Happy Mother's Day. I want to take a passage of scripture since it's Mother's Day. I want to find the words of a woman in the scripture, a holy woman. And I also want to acknowledge Sister Rebecca's remarks about the leadership and the ladies. You know, I don't want to go off a tangent, so I'll try to be real brief. Sometimes people define a church based on what they see. So sometimes you may see somebody or something and you make a judgment call on maybe the church. That's not always fair because sometimes people are not measuring up like they know they should. Yes. Uh, so the best thing that you could do if you ever come across situations like that and you, you want to quickly make a judgment, you got to find the right people to look at in terms of definitions. And I, I, as they were standing up here, I can say emphatically that Sister Bradford and Sister Nola Bradford and Sister Frost are great, great examples. If you ever want to look at what the church is, is look at them because that's the best definition of what the church is and we need to be man we need to be very very thankful for that there's no confusion they're godly amen we need to clap our hands and thank them again for that leadership that's leadership that's leadership say well i don't speak much i i don't i'm not on the platform yeah, but you're still leading. You're leading by your example. And that means so very, very much. And I personally thank each and every one of them very, very much. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. So I wanted to take a passage of scripture that had the words, the connection, the story, the narrative was all connected to this particular woman. And I found a passage of scripture. Uh, I want to spend some time there this morning found in Genesis chapter 18, verse number nine. And they said unto him, him being Abraham, where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, behold, in the tent. And he said, this messenger, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. This is the narration 
Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. So I want to preach today, this morning, for a few moments. She laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. How long can you make this sermon title? And laughed and laughed and laughed. She laughed and laughed and laughed. Lord, we thank you today for your goodness, and we ask that you would direct us Help us as we delve into the Word of God. Bring strength to us from these words, from these pages of the Holy Writ. We worship you and we acknowledge you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The scene of Sarah's laughter in Genesis chapter 18 has echoed through the ages because of the ambiguities that are in the text, and that sparks curiosity in the reader. In this scene, we find Abraham is hosting three mysterious men, visitors, whom the readers know, based on chapter 18, verse number 1. They are messengers of God. But Sarah and Abraham don't know this. It doesn't say that they are aware of that particular fact. One of the strangers says that Sarah will have a son in due season. And she laughs at this announcement and says, after I've grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? And the visitor rebukes her by asking, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? And Sarah denies her laughter. And then after denying her laughter, she lies and the visitor rejects her. Her lie saying, oh, yes, you did laugh. With this statement, abruptly, it ends. The scene ends. It's a short passage, and it has been greatly debated among scholars over the interpretation of several facets of this scene. There are quite a few questions that could be asked. Was Sarah's laughter inspired by delight or bitterness? Was the meaning of her commentary that followed her laughter, talking about her age and Abraham, is she in awe or is she incredulous? Was Sarah aware of the promise made to Abraham that happens one chapter earlier when God appears to him and tells him you're going to have a son? Was she aware of that or was she unaware? How does her knowledge of the promise change how we should read the passage. And what is the significance of the visitor's rebuke to Sarah and their brief dialogue? Because it seems like the messenger is surprised and is upset with the way that she responds. 
Maybe by answering some of these questions, it might be possible to get some insight into Sarah's character that will help us reinterpret her previous and subsequent actions within this narrative. I'm preaching you to you tonight. She laughed, or today, she laughed and laughed and laughed. So for a few moments this morning, let's look at the laughers because it was not only Sarah, it was also Abraham. In order to analyze the meaning of Sarah's laughter and her comments, we have to look at what the narrator says to us in the passage. She is told she's going to have a son, and the narrator remarks that she is old. Abraham and Sarah are old. They're advanced in age, and it has ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So it's important to us because it's very unlikely that Sarah and Abraham are going to be able to produce a child at their particular age. The narration helps us. The narrator gives us that. Sarah is thinking that. Abraham in one chapter earlier is thinking that. So it seems as if this is an impossibility, especially when you consider the fact that Sarah has been barren her entire life. Even though there have been promises that have been given, it seems like nothing is taking place and nothing is happening. There's no change. And so the likelihood of Abraham and Sarah having a child at this point in their lives seems utterly impossible as seen by the text. I want to insert right here, though, and not get too far ahead of myself, but just to say this, with God, everything is possible. As a matter of fact, we've already testified today about God's goodness when the world would say it's an impossibility, when people next to you would say it's an impossibility, and when even you yourself would say it's an impossibility. With God, it is possible because God is bigger. God is better. God is more powerful. God is able. So don't sit on a pew today thinking there is no way it could ever take place. Instead, sit on a pew and say, if God's in the picture, there's a possibility of something happening and changing. Let's clap our hands and thank the Lord together. Praise God, praise God. Everything looks like it's an impossibility. Everything stares at us in the face. Sarah, it's an impossible physical situation that Sarah has in mind when she laughs to herself at the stranger's announcement that she is going to have a son. We, we know these are visitors from God, but it's very possible that Sarah doesn't. Nothing in the text suggests that she knows they're from God. So she is standing in the back of the tent, and she's listening to this conversation. And this individual that she doesn't know says, when I come back in due season, you're going to have a child. And so she laughs and says within herself, this is an impossibility. Sarah has no idea who these people are. She believes this man is a stranger. And so when she looks at her own physical condition in conjunction with her lack of expectation, and these strangers are speaking with authority, and she naturally is incredulous. 
She naturally looks at the circumstances surrounding all of this. 90 years of age, overhearing a total stranger announcing her imminent pregnancy. It's completely reasonable that she would be doubtful of the news. Because of this, it seems more likely that her laughter is tinged with bitterness. It's more likely that she's viewing all the things that has transpired. And this seems like a cruel taunt rather than some kind of affirmation or a delightful promise. Another possible reason is that not only does she believe that she is unable to have a child, but she also doubts Abraham's ability regarding conception. And so it's not only in her own mind, but she's also reflecting some of her doubts through Abraham. And this is one of the reasons why, very possible that she laughs to herself. Every translation includes an inward response. So it helps us understand this was not an out loud laugh of joy, but it's more of a, a, <laughs> a laugh of bitterness and, 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 and amazement and, and incredulous, and she laughs inwardly to herself. It's not something that takes place outwardly. She laughed inwardly saying. So it implies that the comment that she speaks is also inwardly as well. It's inward and private. And her laughter was not produced out of delight, but it is a laughter that is produced out of bitter disbelieving and maybe doubtful. I think that is a very fair interpretation. You're going to find other interpreters that feel like she laughs with delight, that finally the time has arrived. I don't get that from the passage of Scripture. It seems to me that she hears this and she thinks that this is so crazy that she laughs within herself and thinks within herself, this is an impossibility. It's an impossibility with me and it's an impossibility with Abraham. Not only does, Ab does Sarah laugh, but Abraham laughs in Genesis chapter 17. Now, Abraham's response is a little different, and that causes some rabbis, if you look in Jewish history, it causes them to make a distinction between Abraham and Sarah. And I don't really think that's quite fair. They juxtapose Sarah as being the weaker vessel and Abraham being the monument of faith. And I don't think that's fair to Sarah. And I don't know necessarily that Abraham is any better than Sarah in terms of what he's thinking about all of this. Chapter 17, it does tell us that when he hears the message that Sarah's going to have a child, that in verse 17, Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old, and shall Sarah that is ninety years old, shall she bear a child? In 18, in verse number 12, Sarah laughed within herself. So there's, there's ambiguity there. How, how did they laugh? Was Sarah's laugh a... That's an impossibility. And she says it within herself. Or is it Abraham falls, the scripture says, on his face? Ha, 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 ha. 
this is. <laughs> and then within his heart, did he say, this is crazy. And should anybody try to press that too far? I think in both cases, they're looking at what seems like an impossibility. There is, there's no way this could happen. If, if we as the reader don't know the end of the story and we're reading about a promise and a promise that's mentioned four times since Genesis chapter number 12, four times. It's been 24 years, 24 years since Abraham has walked out following the promise of God. And that promise has been repeated four different times. Anybody would say this seems like an impossibility if you stop the story right there. Both Abraham is wondering and he's laughing and thinking within himself. It's way past the time. It's, it's gone beyond the, the, the ramifications and the parameters of what is normal. This is way beyond what I'm, what I'm thinking. I, we, we've been out here for too long. I'm still trusting in God, still have faith to God, but in my own mental uh, faculties and capacities, I can't see this happening. And both of them are considering that. Both of them are inwardly thinking that. And it wouldn't be uh, way, way far out to understand where they are going and what they're facing in all of this. This seems like an impossibility. And then when you stop and think about, does Sarah even know? Did Abraham tell her in chapter 17, which is right together, the, 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 the events are closely connected. Did Abraham say, God came to me and said, you're going to have a son and the sign of circumcision is going to be the covenant that is established. Did he even tell her that? Because because there's nothing to suggest that she knew that. There's just some strangers that appear. Abraham and Sarah left their homeland when Abraham was 75. And in Genesis 17, it is mentioned that Abraham is 99. 24 years they have been following this. They've been waiting for this promise that God has given them to make out of Abraham's descendants through Sarah a great nation. It's stated four times. And so it's no wonder that they are laughing at the impossibility. Seems too far gone. Seems too long. You know, there are some things that God promises us, directions that God promises us and puts, us, puts in our life that seems like from the moment he drops the promise to the moment of fulfillment. Sometimes in that space is where we get impatient. Sometimes in that space is where we want to go a different route. We know that they did. Hagar comes into the picture, and there's a son that is born by the name of Ishmael. That wasn't God's plan. That wasn't what he intended. So sometimes in the process of that space where God drops a promise in your life to the fulfillment of when God fulfills the promise, there's a period of time there, a period of testing there. And if we're not careful, we get impatient and we get frustrated and we try to do things on our own, make our own way, make our own plan, go down our own pathway. I'm preaching to you here today 
that if God has put a promise in your life, is he, if he's put a calling of God in your life, is he, if he's planted a seed of destiny and purpose in your life, don't get confused that just because time has transpired that somehow the promise is not going to be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled because God is the one that planted it. It will be fulfilled because God is the one that said it. You just got to be patient. You got to keep praising him. You got to keep worshiping him in the Hallelujah, in all the vicissitudes of life, you just keep trusting God. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to trust in him. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm putting that in God's hands because when it's in God's hands, everything is going to be all right. I'm not responsible for the promise. God's responsible for the promise. I'm responsible to be faithful to God. Praise God, praise God. I'm going to be faithful to God. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to put my confidence in God. Never forget that God has the authority to make the impossible possible. Who has the authority? Who has the authority? The devil? I would say no. The devil does not have the authority. But God has the authority. Huh? Who has the final word? Who are you going to give the authority of the final word to? I'm not seeing anything, but who has the final word? Oh, there's going to be voices that come around, and there's going to be people and other things that come around that says it's been a long time and nothing has happened. God promised you something, and look, nothing is happening. There is no calling. There is no fruition of what God said, and they're going to speak into your ear. But the question is, who are you going to give authority to in terms of what is spoken into your spirit? I just want to preach to you here this morning and say to you, you don't need to give the authority to the world. Let the world pass by. The authority is not based upon what the world says and the influence of the world. Hallelujah. The authority is in God and the authority is in the word of God. Therefore, I'm going to align myself not with the world, but with the word of God may not be popular but I'm still going to believe in the word of God may not be the end thing but I'm still going to trust in the word of God Maybe not the world. If it's not the world, then who is it? The enemy comes in and tries to line up all your failures, all your difficulties, all of your shortcomings. Who are you going to give authority to? The devil? Is he going to shut you down? Is he going to wipe you out? Is he going to discontinue? Is he going to assassinate what God has promised you? Who's going to have the authority? I believe it's time this morning, today, to say I'm not listening to the accuser of the brethren. I'm listening to the voice of God. And God says, I can. God says, I'm more than a conqueror. God says, my blood is efficacious and powerful. Jesse, is that you back there? What in the world, bro? I thought that was you. Jesse Reese in the building this morning right there. Good to see you this morning. Yeah. Praise God. 
If God has spoken it, let God be the authority. And sometimes our own feelings will speak to us. Who's the authority? God's the authority. And God has the authority to make the impossible possible. Genesis 18. Now watch this. This is fascinating. The Lord said unto Abraham, why is Sarah laughing? Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is there anything too hard for God? At the time appointed, I will return according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah denied, saying, I, I didn't laugh. For she was afraid. Now, right there, she probably realizes there's something different about the messenger. Because the messenger seems to be, well, he seems to be upset. <laughs> and he seems to be somewhat incredulous that she would question whether or not he was going to fulfill a promise. And Sarah lied and said, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And, she, and he said, sorry, I couldn't hear you. Could you repeat what you said? No, I cannot. Siri's trying to listen to the message, and she can't quite hear. So she's asking me to repeat what I just said. I cannot repeat what I just said. Sorry. Just keep time. Just keep keeping time. We're at 21 minutes. Okay, just do that, and it'll be fine, because I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the people I'm preaching to, okay? All right, good deal. That's, that's right on, right on, right on. Okay. And now you just caused me to lose my train of thought, which is costing us more time. Okay, so don't do that again, okay? Here's the point, maybe. Maybe it's okay to laugh in God's face and then lie about it. If the door of faith is cracked open just a bit. I mean, that's the only way that I can interpret this. Sarah says, she laughs, and within she said, this is an impossibility, this is crazy. And God gets upset about it. He's a messenger. He says to Abraham, why is she laughing? He gets upset. Why is she laughing? And so then when he calls her on, she said, I didn't laugh. He said, no, you did laugh. And, and there's this weird, this, he's calling her on the carpet because she said she didn't laugh, and she laughed. But God, it's been 24 years that you've made this poor woman wait for a son. She's been bare for 24 years. And now she's at the point where she doesn't even think this is a possibility because of her age. And God acts a little upset at that. But maybe you can, maybe you can laugh in God's face and then lie about it if the door is cracked just enough open to where there's enough faith. Your circumstances within yourself would say, man, I, I don't know. That seems pretty far-fetched. That seems pretty crazy. Could there be revival ever come out of this? I don't know. But yet within you, there is a, a glimmer of faith that I'm saying what I'm saying publicly and open, openly, but on the inside, I'm still hanging on to a hope that somehow 
God can make something possible that seems impossible. It seems to me that that's the correct interpretation of what Sarah is going through. Because when I look in the scripture, I find the end of the story is not this narration. It doesn't just end with God calling her on the carpet. But in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, it says, through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one of him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in the multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Despite what Sarah denied and lied about, there must have been just enough faith way down on the inside of her to say, you know what, I'm laughing about it, I'm saying it, I'm even denying it because now I realize this is not just a messenger but this is the Lord and so I'd like to cover all of that up but way down deep on the inside of her she still believes that somehow God might be able there's a possibility maybe somewhat might be small and insignificant but is it a possibility because she's in the hall of faith and God responds to her and there is a child that is born by the name of Isaac because Sarah somewhere reaches way down on the inside of her and says I'm going to have faith. I'm going to trust in God. I'm preaching to you this morning. You just keep putting your faith in God. Hallelujah. I don't care what anybody else says and you can laugh about it and you can even deny it and you can even laugh in God's face about it but somewhere deep in your spirit know this that if there is anybody that can make it happen it's God that can make it happen I said it's God that can make it happen Woo! come on clap your hands and thank him together <laughs> the laughers are laughing but guess who has the last laugh the laughers are laughing, but guess who has the last laugh? God has the last laugh. I know it's been 24 years, and you are 99, and it seems like an impossibility, but watch me do great things. <laughs> the person that's going to have the last laugh is God. When the enemy said it's over, it's done, you'll never pull them out of the mire of sin and the pit of disgrace. God says, <laughs> watch this for all all the people spitting hate, spitting vapors. I'm going to show you my power and my ability. I can pull somebody from the miry clay. I can dig them out of the pit. And when I do, there's going to be a testimony that everybody else is going to laugh about. Are you kidding me? The night watchman is an ex-con? Yes. We're going to laugh about it because God has done great things I'm almost through here this morning Sarah was Sarah had enough faith first Peter chapter 3 and verse number 5 look at this for after this manner in the old time the holy women also who trusted in God, 
adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. That's not what we read in the narrative that we read. Did you know the only time that Sarah ever calls Abraham Lord that we know about in Scripture is in this passage of Scripture that we read as our text when she says, Is my Lord, my Lord's too old. It's an impossibility. But she trusted God through all of that. And she stayed in her lane. Abraham, God called you out of the Ur of the Chaldees, and I went with you. I was following after you. God called in this thing, not, not you individually, but he called me with you because we are a team. Oh, I'm preaching now. This is really, really good stuff. God didn't create us to fight among one another and at each other. God created us so that we could together do the will of God and the purposes of God. And somebody should be saying amen right there. God, God didn't marry you up so that you could tear each other down and tear the kingdom of God down with you. God married you up so that the two of you could do great things, mighty exploits, be used of God. Sarah said, Abraham, I've been with you for 24 years. It seems like it's over. It's an impossibility and I'm going to laugh and I'm going to laugh at God in the face and even lie about it but I'm still with you I'm going to stay in my lane I'm going to be obedient to the heavenly vision I'm going to be subjected to our relationship we are going to work together for the purposes and the promises of God and God God follows through with a woman that is faithful and he calls her a holy woman of God and he sets her up as an example for all the other younger ladies to exemplify She's faithful. She's a holy woman of God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. Genesis chapter 21 and verse number 6. This is where I, 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 I retain my title. Genesis chapter 21, verse number 6. Let's read it. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear <laughs> will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. <sighs> you probably you probably have a little hint of what Isaac's name means, right? Guess what it means? It means laughter. <laughs> Sarah is laughing. This is, one, this is the reason why I wanted to, you know, how many laughs can we get on, on the title, right? Because every time Sarah looks on the face of Isaac, she's laughing. She remembers the fact that I laughed in front of God and then denied it. But look what God has done. The impossible, he's made possible. And so every time she sees Isaac, it becomes an opportunity to laugh and say, hey, laugh with me. Isn't this crazy? Isn't this crazy? God has done the impossible. And so everybody starts laughing with her because she was faithful and trusted God. 
Look what the Lord has done. You know what? When you testify of, of what God has done for you, it's time to laugh because God has done the impossible. When you talk about where God has brought you from, it's time to laugh because God has done the impossible and then everybody else can laugh with you because of what God has richly done in your life. It's a testimony. It's what God has done. Great things, wonderful things, impossible things that encourages other people around you to rear back and start laughing about what God and only God has been able to accomplish. God. This carries over into the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 23, Jesus was talking about rich, wealthy people entering the kingdom of heaven, and he said, A rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. It'll be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Some people have tried to geographically say this was some narrow passage that a camel had to go through and it was real tight <clears throat> and that's okay if that's your interpretation but I think it's just the irony of Jesus talking about one long strung out camel going through the eye of a needle why would you even use something like that because it's an impossibility you can't get a camel through the eye of a needle I mean, the disciples were so amazed at this. It says they were exceedingly amazed. And they said, well, then who can be saved? Jesus said, well, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Only God can save you. Humanity can't save you. Humanity can't change things, but God can. God can save you. There's only one that went to Calvary as the ultimate Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and gives you the opportunity today to lift up your hands and say, God, thank you for salvation. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And so I give to you adoration and I give to you praise because I recognize that there would be no way possible that this would even happen in my life if it wasn't for your blood and Calvary and the work of Calvary. Anybody thankful here today for what God has richly done, the work of Calvary, the power of Calvary, in your life. I think it would be good right now if we lifted our hands and say, God, I thank you. I thank you for salvation. You saw me a long way down the road. I've been living for you for years and years and years, but I'm still closely connected to where you pulled me out of. You pulled me out of bars. You pulled me out of honky-tonks. You pulled me out of clubs. You pulled me out of addictions. You pulled me out of dysfunction. You pulled me out of turmoil. You pulled me out of anger. You pulled me out of confusion. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? You pulled me out of all of that. Praise God. Jude 24 says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. 
to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen as we stand together in the house of God he's able to keep you from falling Sarah he's able to keep you from falling. even though you laugh and you deny it right in God's face there was still enough faith and hope within you that God was able to say, you know what, I'm not going to take that personal. <laughs> I showed through that narrative. I was a little frustrated there because I was questioned. Did you think I couldn't do it? But I'm not going to take it personal. I'm going to keep you from falling. You know what, sometimes in our difficulties, it's okay to say, God, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. It's okay to lament and say, God, I don't understand everything that's going on here. And I'm laughing and I'm speaking into my soul. But despite all of that, I'm still going to trust in you. I'm going to hang on to what little bit of faith that I have to believe that somehow you're going to work through this. And so I'm going to give you glory. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to give you glory. I'm going to give you praise. I'm going to magnify your great name because of what you have richly done. I'm going to give you majesty because you're the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And there is nobody like you. There's a lot of other gods. There's a lot of gods of the nations around us, but there's only one true living God. And he called us into the promises of his kingdom and his direction. And so I'm going to give you majesty you're the only God that has dominion you're the only one that can bind the devils from hell and spirits that would rise up you've got dominion you've got the keys to death hell and the grave and you're the only God that produces a power that gives to us the ability to have strength in moments where we feel so weak She laughed and she laughed and she laughed and she laughed. Did you know that laughter is good for you? Did you know when you laugh, it, it releases endorphins into your system? And endorphins are good, they're the good feeling stuff. And so when you laugh, something goes into your system that makes you feel better, makes you feel good. It's good for your health. Well, I'm just not the type of person to laugh. You need to get a laugh, brother sister come on a merry heart do with good like a medicine well that's just not my not my disposition i've seen you laugh come on are you crazy who goes around in life with no joy especially if you're an apostolic and god has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light you shouldn't walk down with some kind of pursed lips hallelujah no attitude of joy no happiness there should be something on the inside of you like sarah that says i'm going to laugh and i'm going to laugh i'm laughing with you sis i remember when you started coming to church i'm laughing with you why because god did great things in your life turn a lot of things around and so I'm laughing with you not only is it good for your physical health it's good for your mental health See, it produces a lot of stuff in you Sarah she laughed and laughed she recognized through the birth of Isaac her son who means laughter that God God has accomplished great things and he has done the impossible I don't know what side of the equation you're on here this morning maybe you're on the inside of the equation that laughs 
and you're looking at an impossibility. And if you are, I would encourage you to dig deep in faith and say, God's, God's a God that can turn it around. Or if you're on the other side, when you've come through all of that and you're looking back and you're saying, if it had not been for the Lord, whatever side of the equation you're on this morning, Amen. I want you to step out of a pew where you are. Walk around down here to the front in the well. Make sure you got elbow space. I want you to lift your hands and I want you to say, God, I know that you're a God of the impossible. And you're a God that is able to make all things possible.